Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jana Panaritis, and you're listening to the AgeWise podcast, where we give you strategies for aging well and wisely. And how do you do that when on top of struggling to meet the demands of your own life, you're also caring for an aging parent or a spouse, or maybe you're caring for another member of your family? Well, we're here to help. Each week, we'll hear from the experts, professionals in the field of aging, and people like you, unsung heroes rising to the occasion of caring for a loved one and finding unexpected rewards along the way. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. When it comes to writing about caregiving and aging, there's one journalist who stands way out from the pack. Her name is Anne Brenoff, and she's a senior writer and columnist for the Huffington Post. Prior to working at HuffPost, Anne was on staff at the Los Angeles Times for nearly two decades, where she wrote a nationally syndicated column and won a shared Pulitzer Prize. Lately in her writing, she's been blowing the lid off certain myths about caregiving, an issue that hit home back in May when her husband was hospitalized as a result of acute kidney failure. Anne's writing has garnered praise and been widely shared in social media. Spouse, mother, caregiver, and journalist Anne Brenoff joins us today from Los Angeles, California. Anne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I think of you as a sort of 21st century Howard Beale, speaking (laughs) truth to power in the digital space, um, especially with regard to your caregiving post, which began after your husband was hospitalized. For folks who aren't familiar with your work, can you go back to that day when your husband was hospitalized and tell us what happened? Sure. Um, My husband, I'm going to even go back a little bit farther. I'm 66 Mm -hmm. and my husband is 81. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in any relationship, an age gap of 15 years is different at different points in the relationship. And I would have to say that up till now, it has never been a factor. Now it's a factor because his health is failing. On that particular day, he had taken the dogs out for a walk. We live in a fairly hilly area, and the dogs came back without him. And that in itself is not that unusual because, quite honestly, we let them off leash a lot, and they just mm-hmm. know their way home. But um, after about 20 minutes, we realized, wait a second, you know, he's not here. And the kids and I went out looking for him, and we found him at the bottom of our steep driveway, covered in blood on the ground. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it's a visual to mark the event, you know, to mark the start of this. So we called 911, and the ambulance came. And I have to admit that at that point, I was primarily concerned uh, since he was bleeding from his nose and I thought it might be broken, I was concerned about the physical, the plastic surgery. What, you know, mm-hmm. he was going to have his face stitched up and, mm-hmm. you know, oh, my God, like that was really important. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, we, we went to the um, emergency room. We're there all day. They do stitch up his face. And then they come out and my world changed. They said, well, he's an acute kidney failure. And I said, what? I mean, you know, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Anyway, he was admitted to the ICU. It was that acute. And he spent a couple of days there. They were running tests, trying to figure out what was causing it. Eventually, we uh, after about four days there, we had him transferred to Cedars, where 
his doctors are, and that meant more tests. And eventually they just put him on dialysis. He was hospitalized for over a month and discharged home. And no one's life has been the same since. You know, you go from having what is a fairly typical life uh, and it's suddenly turned upside down. You know, years and years ago, nurses did what family caregivers do now. Mm -hmm. They had years of training and knew how to do it. I was given a 30-minute training session at the hospital by the discharge nurse on various things that I now do for my husband. And, you know, aside from feeling completely incompetent, I don't feel like I have the emotional wherewithal to do this. I mean, I love this man. He's been my husband a long time, but it's hard to be intimate with someone who you're helping with his hygiene and yeah. and his toileting. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the first column I wrote, I believe the headline was something like, caregiving is not rewarding, frankly, itself. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was based in part, actually, I'm going to go back up again. I did a column before that when he was still in the hospital about how I had just been inducted into the hospital wives club. And, <laughs> you know, you're there for a month and you get to know everything. Yep, you get that's to know right. elevators are slow, mm-hmm. what time the line you know breaks up at Starbucks and you learn it all. <laughs> when the shift changes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, you, you start following up with your nurses. Is your son feeling better? You know, that, everything. Yeah. Your mm-hmm. whole life changes. And yet everybody else's life around you, your friends, your colleagues at work, there's go on. And I remember somebody overhearing a conversation, I think it may have even been in the elevator, about two people were talking about a, a basketball game. And, I mean, it felt jarring to me. It mm-hmm. felt like we weren't sharing the same planet. You know, I'm worried mm-hmm. about his creatinine numbers and, you know, whether he's going to uh, need a different port for his secondary dialysis or whatever. And they're talking about basketball. So, you know, yeah. that part is jarring. The other thing that happens is that a lot of well-meaning friends want to help. And what they do, and, and you know, I know this sounds like a whine and I should just maybe shut up and be grateful, but it's hard. You're dealing with all this stuff, and they want to bring you a meal. It sounds simple, but it's not. You can't tell them when you're going to be home. You can't tell them when you're going to be in the hospital. Mm. You can't tell them really anything because you don't know. And the problem is kind of dumped on your lap. It's just hard. Yeah. I wish people could figure out how to be a little more supportive, even at that level of caregivers. I think caregivers, frankly, are getting royally screwed. There's very little financial support. When people drop out of the workforce for a couple of years to care for a spouse or an elderly parent, it's going to come back to haunt them with their Social Security mm-hmm. later on. There's no reimbursement for most of the stuff that I do. And the visiting nurse services, they, they really come up short. They basically would come to our house, spend 15 minutes, and take his vital signs. I could take his vital signs. I needed someone to help him bathe. That wasn't approved. So by the time the physical therapist finally came, he was already walking up and down our steps and mm. asking the doctor if he could start driving again. Wow. So 
services that you get are mismatched for what your needs are. Um, and that's another big area. And you really don't problem. you really don't know what you need right away because you don't know what's going to no. happen next. I mean, I needed I needed a reeducation on mm-hmm. how to cook on a renal friendly diabetic diet. Right, um, cuz you said he's diabetic. Too. And I yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I had no idea that things like spinach contained too much. I mean, you know, I always think of spinach as a healthy food. But he can't have spinach. You can't have citrus. It's a strange assortment of foods that he can't eat. And, you know, he's not always a great patient, which is another big beef of caregivers, mm-hmm. you know, the ones I speak with. They Sometimes it feels like, it's not so much that our patients are giving up. They're just not trying harder, mm-hmm. trying hard enough. It feels like we're the only ones with an oar in the water. You know, when he forgets to take a pill, I want him to not do that. I want him to realize, you know, it's so important to me that he takes those pills. Why isn't it so important to him? Yeah. What does he say when you kind of say that to him? Um, This is, you know, frankly, it's a strain on the relationship in every caregiving situation. I have literally heard from thousands of caregivers, most of them female. And I would have to say that the ones that really are feeling the pain the most are the military wives. Some of them served in Afghanistan and Iraq themselves, and some met their husbands there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they, the husbands came home injured, post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. uh, physical you know, right. limitations, but they're having a really hard time. I mean, you're not only doing the day-to-day physical care, preparing the food, changing wound bandages, giving injections, in my case, checking glucose levels, helping him with insulin if he needs it, deciding if he needs it, um, mm-hmm. because it's out. you don't call the doctor each time. You mm-hmm. kind of do it, you know, bathing, toileting, and a million other things. It's just endless. It's like I have a third child, frankly. Can you talk at all about what sort of help you've gotten from friends or elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, once we got him home, I am... Very lucky in as much as I can work at home when I need to, yeah. and I needed to, and uh, having the post was great about that. So people were bringing over food, but part of the problem is for the renal diabetic diet, how do you educate right. well-meaning people who really just want to go to Gelson's and pick up a barbecue right. chicken for you? <laughs> right. you know? I mean, that, and, and frankly, that, that should be enough, but he can't eat it. I, I do have one friend uh, who's been a caregiver for 22 months, three weeks, and uh, today is Tuesday, four days. <laughs> wow, okay. you got her scheduled. <laughs> yeah, that's how we measure it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And her husband has a different diagnosis, but a very similar diet. Uh-huh. And she's just way more organized than I am. And uh, she is the sole support of her family and has her own business. She does public relations very successfully. Mm-hmm. And she literally worked out of her husband's hospital room for wow. seven months. Mm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and she also created a recipe book for this particular dietary restrictions. And anyone who offered to bring food, she gave them a copy of the book uh-huh. and she marked uh-huh. yeah I mean she color coded what he liked uh-huh. you know. wow um, okay yeah, yeah. operating I, I instructions exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so you know the diet is huge 
getting him to exercise, and I'm talking about just walking, going outside and taking Mm -hmm. a walk, Mm -hmm. you know, to the corner and back. That's critical for someone with his conditions. And he feels tired on dialysis days. How often is he getting dialysis now? He was t- getting it three times a week, and uh-huh. they they are experimenting right now with twice a week, but okay. he is not responding. Mm. So okay. my guess is it goes back up to three. He also, they changed his diagnosis from acute kidney failure to uh, chronic, and chronic means forever. Okay. They're not recovering. Acute, they expect or hope at least that it'll... The kidney right, because there is that in. possibility of recovery. If it's acute. Yeah. yeah. You know, life on kidney dialysis is, it's mostly inconvenient. You know, it's not so much painful, but, you know, he has an open port in his chest. He can't take a shower. He can't be immerged in water, cannot go swimming, can't go into the ocean, can't go on the sand, can't go into a pool. Traveling is extremely difficult. I mean, you have to plan and make arrangements in advance to get your dialysis wherever you're traveling. Yeah. And there's also some fluid retention that comes with this need for dialysis. Mm-hmm. And do you really want to get on an airplane for six hours knowing that your ankles would always swell up anyway? They're already swollen to the point where you can't get your shoes on. So traveling had been a huge part of our lives, and that's being changed. I took the kids and went to Kauai by myself. I hired someone to come in and and stay with him. And yeah, I was wondering about he, that if you managed if you managed to go with you because I know you were on vacation. No, oh, no, bummer. He, um, you know, yeah, it is, it, and it's hard for the kids. No, vacations are are memory making, and you take pictures. And do you remember the time that we did this? And we went zip lining and we did the swimming with the dolphins. Well, Dad's not in any of those pictures now. And how old are your kids? My daughter is 18, mm-hmm. and I just dropped her off at college. I know. Empty nester. <laughs> and my son is 15, and he's in high school. Did he get her room? So, you know, I'm sorry? Did he get Did her, he get room? her room? Yeah. <laughs> Um, he's eyeing it, but... Still vying um, for it? Or did you build a shrine? (laughs) (laughs) You do read my column. Of course I do. And your readers have responded. I mean, especially this one, if I can cite one. You you wrote this, when caregivers are honest, it makes folks very uncomfortable. I mean, that was shared 10,000 times and generated over 300 comments. And I read some of those comments. And full disclosure, I'm in one of those closed Facebook groups where caregivers vent. And... I can tell you that is some honest shit coming out. Sorry for my language there, but did you have any idea that your writing on this subject would garner this much attention? You know, when I got him home from the hospital, I immediately went, literally went back to work, but working from home. And, you know, writing for me is very cathartic. And I said to Shelley Emling, who's my editor, that I needed to write something about the caregiving and about what I was feeling to mostly get it out of the way, to get it out uh-huh. of my system. And then I could go back to writing anything else. And, you know, we do lots and lots of studies about who is reading us. And mm-hmm. they tend to skew younger. Mm-hmm. They tend to be active retirees who mm-hmm. travel a lot, who live abroad, who want to tell you the best ways to have sex. You know, they are not people pushing other people in a wheelchair. At least we thought. 
And yet, this stuff about that I've been writing about caregiving has just blown up. I mean, it really has. And people are, are starting to come forward. And I think this is good. We need to have a place where we can, you know, there's lots of things that could improve the caregiving experience. You know, the things they pay for, the bureaucracy, the support. I mean, the VA is a huge part of it. We're not supporting military families. But just in terms of this stuff that I'm going through, mm-hmm. um, we need to look at caregiving more honestly. I, I thought it was kind of funny because I read those 300 comments. Oh, you and did. I, That's cool. Uh, yeah, I yeah. literally, yeah, I read my comments. And every time someone would suggest, however gently, that, well, you know, what did she think? She married an older man. Or, hey, she made wedding vows, so she made her bed, now she's sleeping in it. <laughs> Anytime someone would so much as raise that, a hundred people would jump all over them. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't get it. You know, yeah. This is what she's talking about. She loves the man. This is not fun. This is not pleasant. This could be better. I mean, you know, this has nothing to do with my wedding vows. And for the record, I'd never thought I'd be good at this stuff. <laughs> and I'm not surprised, you know. And the reason I'm not good at it is I'm not trained for it. I don't really want to do it. There is no care for me as a caregiver. And when I say me, I mean all caregivers. You know, there is no care for the caregiver. Mm-hmm. There is no conversation that says, wow, your life just really changed. Right. The, the um, spotlight's not on you. It's, it's no, on the other person. No, Yeah. yeah there, there is no doctor has ever said to a caregiver, how are you doing? They don't do that. Several people say, oh, you could join a group or you can go to therapy. I don't need to talk to a therapist about how I don't like changing a catheter. Right. I need someone to come and change the catheter. Amen. And by the yeah. way, I'm giving that as an example. My husband at this point is mm-hmm. not on a catheter. I mean, he's actually, he's improved, but he's not the same. He's yeah. a shell of the man that he was on May 28th. And I'm adjusting to it. My kids are adjusting to it. Mm-hmm. My friends are adjusting. There's things we can't do anymore. You know, he he cannot, he can't go into a restaurant and order a meal because, you know, he, can, he has to watch his sodium. I mean, there's uh, potatoes. If he, he loves potatoes. He was Mr. Potato. Um, <laughs> he can't eat potatoes unless I peel them, dice them, basically, and soak them in cold water for two hours, drain the water, and soak them another two hours. Huh. This is to have a potato. Wow. So add that to my list. Wow. Okay? Wow. So... Yeah, wow. this is, it's a hard diet. It's a lot of pills and with a different, you know, it matters when he takes the pills. Was he on a, a special diet when he was diabetic? I mean, you said he's diabetic. So was yeah. he on a special diet the, back then even? He was supposed to be. He was supposed to be. And, you know, that's part of where the anger comes from is that you blame your patient. And that, of course, you know, people will judge you for. Oh, it's not his fault. It absolutely is his fault. Every <laughs> bacon cheeseburger he ate was his fault. He yeah. made a choice. And now the kids and I are suffering because of those choices he made. Yeah. So, yeah, we're pissed. And, and you know, the, the culture says, well, you shouldn't be. You know, bullshit. We're pissed. We're pissed. And now when he cheats, and he still does, you know, I just, I have to leave the house. My son wanted chips and guacamole, so I brought in the smallest amount. And my son left the bag 
on the counter Uh-oh. and went to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure I don't enough, know. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> yep, that's exactly where it went. Totally screws up Uh-oh. the podcast numbers. It it's solved. You know, it's everything you shouldn't be doing. A handful of chips, will it get him sick again? In his case, yeah, it could. It didn't really, but, you know, he can't do stuff like that. And, you know, you, you, you say things, you go right for the jugular, and you say things like, what's more important, that chip or watching your son graduate high school? That's a fight you don't want to have, though. No, no, yeah. no. I mean, the whole relationship has changed. I'm doing it mm. all. And he defines himself as the patient. Every day, it's what hurts him. You know, the swollen foot is bothering him. You know, this or that is bothering him. He has turned into one of those people who goes to the doctor, a doctor, some doctor, at least three times a week. Wow. And yeah, yeah. I mean, aging sucks. This is kind of like instant onset aging for us. He'd been right. relatively healthy. The, right. His diabetes before this was being controlled by medication, and he had a few other conditions going on. Anyway, the acute kidney failure was caused by the drugs he was prescribed. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. It was a combination. There were three drugs, three different medications prescribed by specialists, and they don't talk to each other. Any one of the yeah. three could have caused this. The combination of the three did cause it. And when your kidneys shut down, toxins come into your, enter your blood. The purpose of, of the dialysis is to remove the toxins right. that have built up. It doesn't heal your, your kidneys. So there is no heat. There's nothing going on right now. Right. It's a constant washing treating, out of toxins, right? Yeah. 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 It, it's just as a, um, an aside, when we were in the hospital and they said, okay, you have to start dialysis. You know, they put the port in. That's a surgery. Um, it must have been so hard you know, you for you to eat. see. Oh, my God. And I was there with my daughter. And, you know, I, I'd been putting in 20, 22-hour days, driving home, yeah. taking a shower, checking on the kids and hoping they were, like, you know, not burning the house down. Preparing <laughs> her for college, <laughs> you know, too. Well, you know, that really got short shrift. I'm finding that what I'm capable of doing is seeing as far as the end of my nose. I can only deal with what is right but on But you know, that's really face. great that you see that and you kind of accept that, yeah. that you have to just make decisions and accept what you can't do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they were starting dialysis. This is the first time. And my daughter says to the nurse, can we come? Now, I'm thinking to myself, oh, you know, holy shit, I, this is, no, I want to go home. <laughs> okay, they're going to be doing this for four hours. And, mm. you know, no, I mean... He's got an open port. It must be, you know, it's got to break some kind of rule. I mean, you uh-huh. know, all these <laughs> sick people, they don't want us in the room. And the nurse turned to my husband and said, well, it's your first time. Will you feel better if your family is there? And I'm shooting him daggers, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, just say no. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, I would. Okay. Oh. So then, oh, it gets worse. We we traced down <laughs> to, the, to the dialysis room, which is just like, you know, think of like a long room with beds Lining two the feet apart, right. lined up, right. each one with an individual television set blasting on right. different channels. So it's noisy. It smells like disinfectant. We go, we pull up our chairs and start the process. It's like watching Frankenstein. They're taking the right. blood out of my right. husband's body. It goes into a washing machine and then it goes back into his body. 
And, you know, at that point, I don't think I had eaten. I'm exhausted. I started to get, like, sick. Lightheaded? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, lightheaded. I thought I was going to vomit. So oh, I yeah. said to my daughter, I'll be right back. <laughs> so I went into the bathroom, and I just sobbed, oh. you know. And, and then one of the nurses came in after about 10 minutes and said, um, try a gas mask with, like, little vanilla or lemon scents in front of it. Okay. And I said, how about if I just try not going back in? You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really, uh, um, you, you know, really I've been exposed yourself. to things that yeah. I never in a million years would yeah. have thought I was. And it's coming at you really fast. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. no preparation for yeah. it. Your life changes. No one cares about you. This is, you know, he used to be my teddy bear, yeah. my protective teddy bear. How long you know, have you guys been married? I, we were together before we were married okay. for a long time. Okay. We've probably been married about 25 years. So, you know, it's been, uh, you know, it's a long-term marriage, but it's, I don't know that it, it's actually a marriage anymore. It's uh-huh. a patient and his nurse. You know, the uh-huh. whole context has changed. He used to get upset with people who would post mean comments on my pieces. He used to be yeah. my protective teddy bear. And now he needs help getting up. It's painful. Um, plus, I'm doing so much by myself. And then, you know, throw my daughter leaving on top of all this. Right. You know, it was funny. She had applied and gotten into about 15 schools. Uh-huh. This was her safety school. Uh-huh. And um, after she got in and we did the admitted student visits, uh-huh. she realized, and this was her, not me, I swear. She said, you know, Mom, I don't want to be that far away from family. We adopted Sophie from China when right. she was five and a half. And she she said, you know, I waited more than five years for my family to come for me. I'm in no big hurry to leave. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> I know. I know. Wow. She's an amazing kid. And she's living on campus. It's about an hour drive. And, you know, after this happened with my husband, I was just so grateful. I, I kind of see the fine hand of God yeah. behind that one. Yeah. But it's great that she's so close to... by. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want the kids to get sucked into the caregiving. You know, it feels like I'm circling the drain. And I'm doing what I can to maintain their lives, their normality. You wrote something about it not being a guarantee that your kids will care for you when you get older just because you have kids. What do you think about the chances of your kids? I think your kids are pretty cool sounding. I don't know. I've read about <laughs> I've read about Sophie. I don't know anything about Simon, but um, she sounds really cool. I've always said that Sophie would pick out my nursing home and Simon <laughs> would pay for it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, you know, he kind of doesn't have that same level of empathy that she does, uh-huh. but he's That's definitely so going to be a captain of industry because he doesn't have that level of empathy. <laughs> um, you know, no, you know, I have to tell you, this whole thing has shown me how... I don't want to be in this position. You know, my husband is not going to get better. And, you know, how do you say that? And you don't know when he's going to stop not getting better. I mean, you know, at what point won't I be able to care for him? I've had individual days when I really thought, okay, he should be in a place where somebody else is doing this because I can't. You know, you're basically to preserve one life there's a toll on another. And, you know, I'm still working. I'm still going out with friends. And I can because I can leave him. But that day is going to come where I can't. Right. 
I don't think he's going to be driving much longer. Uh-huh. You know, we have to figure out. He's getting dialysis near the hospital, which is because we thought it wasn't going to be long term. Uh-huh. Now that we realize it likely is, we need to get that switched. So near Cedars? Because be, that's yeah. far away. You're in Malibu, right? Yeah, 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 it's an hour away. Right. So, you know, with traffic, and one of his days for treatment is Saturdays. So we have traffic and beach traffic, and it's yeah. horrible. Yeah. One, uh, an interesting thing happened a couple of weeks ago. We got a call at 6 a.m. saying that um, the facility, dialysis facility, had had a water main break. Therefore, his dialysis was canceled, and they would do it the next day someplace else. And there was a series of, of emails and things given to me. Basically, they want me to have an emergency plan. What happens if LA has an has an earthquake? Gosh. What will I do to take care of his need for dialysis? I mean, what if um, the roads are flooded? Yeah. You know, we don't live in the most accessible place. To be honest, I don't know that I even have an up-to-date earthquake kit. Right. Well, I mean, what but do you do? Do you, our, do you set up a dialysis room in your house? I mean, how? Well, you can't. I mean, those machines are calibrated very precisely. Uh-huh. It's not like if he misses it for a day that he's going to die. But if if services were knocked out, I mean, you need pure water for dialysis. You know, you need the machine to be calibrated. You need electricity. The other thing is, you know, these are things I'd never thought about. They wanted me to come up with a sharps disposal plan oh and i said what are you wow. what are you talking about i mean what do you mean i'm i'm wrapping these needles up in you know in a paper towel and i'm tossing them in the garbage right. you know? in the ziploc bag right uh, ziploc bag yeah right. that's exactly what i was doing right that's... no you can't do that i mean so oh. this is all stuff that you don't think you need to ever know or do and and remember we had full active lives before this it wasn't like i was sitting around with nothing to do all day to have all this other stuff added on top of it and it's so So fresh for you it's fresh and you know everyone said oh you know you're going to get used to it and i said i hope not i don't ever want to get used to it i do not buy that there is any joy in this in you You know, know there may be I have to say to that point, I've spoken with people who say they have experienced gains from caregiving, but with a caveat that they're usually felt way after the fact, not while you're in the midst of it, when you're rolling through all those emotions. And so, for instance, being given a simplistic sort of brochure, like you were given, you know, you're on a rewarding journey and you, when right. you're in the hospital <laughs> at an incredibly stressful time can really backfire. I mean, you're in shock, you're overwhelmed, you're anxious. Right. I do right. think that there are gains, but every situation is different. And especially with spouses, I've interviewed spouses and they all say, you know, it's just really, really different. I, I think it is because the, the marriage changes, the roles change. Right. And, you know, and it, there's no coming back. Yeah. There really is no coming back. You know, so I'm a widow, a widow whose husband is still here. Well, can you see a time where perhaps you do put him in a nursing home? You know, I don't like to think about it. Like I said, I I can see as far as the end of my nose most days. I have no idea how this is going to end. I have no idea. I mean, I do day by day. And um, I can't even tell you what I'm making for dinner tonight, Mm -hmm. let alone, (laughs) you know, how this is going to wind up. 
you know, I have good insurance because I'm employed. A lot of women had to step out of the workforce to care for people. And what do you do for your health insurance? I mean, he has Medicare. Do you know that Medicare does not pay for transportation to dialysis? Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I was mean, that one of the things you learned in the hospital? You learned all kinds of loopholes? Yeah, no, and... no, no, no one teaches you the, the loopholes. You, you pick them up generally from other caregivers. And sometimes, like I found that at our dialysis center, the um, case manager is actually pretty sharp. And there's one medication that he has to take every time he eats. And he takes two of them at the three primary meals. That one was costing, with insurance, about $140 a month. Mm-hmm. And off insurance, it would have been 10 times that. So she actually turned me on to how if you fill out this very simple form, you get it for free. Wow. So that was, yeah. I mean, I it's from the manufacturer who has some deal with, you know, it's, it's a very common uh, drug for people on, uh, on kidney dialysis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. somebody struck a deal, but you, you don't know it. You, you know, right. someone doesn't tell you, you don't know about it. I mean, I challenge the doctors a yeah. lot. And things are not perfect in, in a hospital. They, you expect they're going to be. Right. You expect that he's going to get fabulous care and that nobody's going to forget anything or make a mistake. In the first hospital he was in, they were going to put in a port. And like I said, it's a surgical procedure. Nothing by mouth from midnight. Well, at 6 a.m., somebody gave him a blood thinner. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so therefore, he hasn't eaten. He hasn't anything to drink. The protocol calls for him to wait another eight hours, and they were booked. So he basically went without food from oh. dinner the night before until 4 o'clock in the afternoon wow. the next day. And you're feeling crappy, and you've been in the hospital. So, you know, it's stuff like that. You you know, I would constantly ask for test results. They don't tell you. You really have to advocate. People um, who don't have advocates in the hospital, I just feel so bad for them. I mean, I was literally, right. literally standing over my mom's bed in the hospital when she had a uh, total reverse shoulder surgery a few months ago. The doctor said, well, we'll give her some Percocet. And I said, no, 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 no Percocet. She's a bad reaction yeah. to that. And had I not been standing there to say that, right. you know, she'd be puking right. in a pan. Right. I mean, that's the reality. You know, it's extremely hard because in my job, I have to focus on what I'm writing. And part of it is I write a humorous voice. So yeah. how do you get done raging at some nurse, okay, screaming about some stupid thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I literally took a food tray and marched it back into the kitchen. It had a brownie on it. it had, you know, all this stuff you can't eat. Well, oh, yeah. Right. You well, know, well oh, your writing is bitterly funny, though, in places. That's what I loved about the first columns. You know, no caregiving is not rewarding. It simply sucks. Right. That kind of honesty is what we need. It's terribly emotional for you. I can I can imagine. But it's beautiful. I mean, it's ugly and Thank it's you. funny and it's sad, but it's real. And so much well, of, of what's missing is the reality. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And you know, to be honest, since it's primarily what I do, I will be primarily writing about it. Great. Well, thank you. Great. Thank you. Great. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know you're always on a deadline, and you write, you're incredibly prodigious for the amount of pressure yes. that you're under. Um, but if you have Welcome any... to the online world. Yeah, right, right. Well, if you have any last thoughts, I'd you love know, to hear them. 
Uh, to be honest, I wish I had paid a little bit more attention to health insurance and what it covered and what it didn't cover. I wish I had been on top of his medications before he got sick because it clearly said for each of those three that you need to be tested to see if it's affecting your kidneys. Mm -hmm. Although I have to say in his case, he happened to have blood drawn a month earlier and his numbers were fine. Mm -hmm. So this truly Mm -hmm. was acute. But you know, you can't educate yourself on every disease and you can't live your life expecting this is going to happen. And you know, just you take one day at a time. And I'm telling you, these online support groups are fabulous. They're keeping me sane. I got an email from um, a woman. I I don't know if I remember if I put this in the column, but after I wrote one of these, she said, I'm having one of those days today where I wish there was a plug I could unplug. I mean, that's how bad it gets. This is hard. I mean, it. you know, I write somewhat humorously, but this is hard. And... For me, it really comes down to a lot of the physical disgusting stuff and the loss of my partner. You know, other women, other caregivers focus on other things that bother them most. Mm -hmm. There's one woman who absolutely cannot stand that her husband wants to be with her 24-7. All she wants to do is go to the grocery store for an hour by herself. And when he says, oh, I'll come with you, it'll be good for me to walk... (laughs) She, she she wants to cry. It'll be bad you know, for me. <laughs> it'll be yeah. bad for me. Right. I need to be away from you. I mean, yeah. that's, that's yeah. it. Anne Branoff, she works out of the L.A. office of the Huffington Post, where she's a senior manager, writer, and columnist. We'll have links on the AgeWise website to all of the articles mentioned in this program. But hey, don't stop there. Go to Huffington Post, search on Anne Branoff, and treat yourself to more razor-sharp writing from today's guest. She's a wife, writer, mother, and a caregiver on a mission. Anne, thanks for doing this, and thanks for your straightforward, terrific writing. I hope that you can get through this one day at a time, and I think you have the strength for it. To your Thank health, you. to, to your health and to his. Thank you so much, and thanks for the, the chance to, to speak with your audience. Thanks, Anne. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us. The AgeWise podcast is produced and edited by me, Jana Panaritis, and you can listen to the show and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The AgeWise podcast is also distributed on the nationally syndicated Speak Up Talk Radio Network, the 24-7 streaming and on-demand network that's always on for you. Remember, every caregiver has a story. I want to hear yours.